0: Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. The field of conservation was created to fight change, to prevent objects from becoming dusty, broken, or rusted. But fighting to keep cultural objects preserved creates a certain mindset, the mindset of protector, A mindset where it's too easy to imagine objects and cultures in a state of stasis. That this is how it always was and will be forever.
1: Often, I mean, just given the colonial and imperial histories of museums, it was because people were going to be gone forever. That culture was gone. And so this is the last trace. But in fact, that's not how cultural heritage works. It's transformed, it's changed, it continues on in different forms, And a lot of the way the conservators think about cultural heritage is is about mitigating that change, which makes it a little bit fossilized. But to me, that change is where things are really vibrant and exciting and people are so closely connected to cultural heritage that it really feels alive.
0: This is Sanchita Balachandran. Associate Director of the Johns Hopkins Archaeological Museum.
1: Hello, my name is Sanchita Balachandran. I'm a conservator, and I'm trained in the conservation of archaeological materials in particular. And my day job is the Associate Director of the Archaeological Museum at Johns Hopkins University.
0: Balachandran founded Untold Stories, a project that pursues a conservation profession that represents and preserves a fuller spectrum of human cultural heritage. For the past few years, the project has been hosting public events at the annual meetings of the American Institute for Conservation. Untold stories emerged out of Balachandran's frustration with how narrowly the field of conservation has been defined.
1: I felt that there were literally too many untold stories in the field of conservation. I wanted to find ways to actually start to think about what else cultural heritage could mean other than, say, the things we typically think of as belonging in a museum. For many of us, cultural heritage means going to this, you know, important looking building that has paintings and sculpture and has labels next to it. And I think we've kind of decided in some ways that that's cultural heritage and preservation means taking care of those things. And really, I've become more and more aware and curious about the fact that cultural heritage is a much more complicated and diverse set of practices it's often not necessarily about a single object or a thing, but rather how that thing might function within a community or communities as, as part of a series of practices and exchanges and storytelling. And I, I just wanted to have a way to kind of work with people who are really doing that work outside the museum, and doing it in ways that I think preserve, but also change cultural practices.
0: Since Untold Stories takes place at the annual meetings of the American Institute for Conservation, a lot of professionals in the field are already gathered there. The meetings attract over 1,000 conservators. Like many professional conferences, the meetings are often held in a nondescript hotel setting. But Untold Stories makes it a practice to contextualize where attendees are sitting and the history that preceded them. An example of this is the 2019 Untold Stories event, titled Indigenous Futures and Collaborative Conservation.
1: How many times have you been to a conference And you could be anywhere, right? I mean, you're in this (laughs) big room and you never leave the hotel or the conference center. And part of what I was interested in was trying to actually place us somewhere. So in 2019, since we were actually meeting at the Mohegan Sun, which is a Mohegan-owned casino, we were on native land. It seemed like a really important opportunity to talk about native sovereignty, the kind of history of genocide in our own country, the fact that anyone who's non-indigenous in this country is a settler colonialist. But to really think about what this means in terms of how we take care of collections that have come to us as a result of historical happenstance, but also a very violent past. And to acknowledge the fact that museums, which for most of us who work in museums are very safe, welcoming, and you know joyful places, are evidence of this history of, of pain and removal. So the opportunity to work with the Acomad Educational Initiative was really exciting because it's a partly native co-founded, and they do a lot of educational work around questions of how we even think about the history of this country. And to me, that was really important to be able to say in native space as opposed to, you know, in a place somewhere else. Part of
0: Balachandran's point is that there isn't such a thing as a contextualist cultural material. The intentionally nondescript conference ballroom has a lot in common with the deliberately sterile museum environment. Episode 68 of this show features an interview with Edwandis Spears, Director of Programming and Outreach at the Agamount Educational Initiative, and one of the conveners of the 2019 Untold Stories event. In the episode, she discusses her presentation about how Native narratives are violently presented through a white lens in museums.
1: It was Indonna Spears of Akamat who suggested the title. She had worked in museums. She's very familiar with these questions. And she's the one who suggested Indigenous futures, which forces you to recognize that this is not something of the past. We really wanted to do something that felt like we were going to push. This had to be uncomfortable, but it also had to be aspirational. Where do we go now, and how can, as conservators, we actually be part of this very kind of collaborative, supportive mission to ensure futures? We can't make it happen by ourselves. It's, it's not like we're saving anybody, and that's another you know big concern of mine. There's a real sort of savior mentality that... I think conservation has. We save objects. And I I certainly came out of graduate school thinking that I was going to save everything. And to me, that's a very problematic way to think about it, because frankly, if the object still survives, it didn't need me, right? It made it thousands of years without me. Somehow we've kind of decided that we're the ones that, making the, that make these things live forever, which is pure arrogance. So part of this event was really to think about how, as conservators, can we come up with action items? And by action items, it was practices, but more than anything, a, a kind of shift in, in a mental framework for working much more equitably and more humbly, you know, to really have a sense of respect for this notion that there has already been a history before you and so when you enter into this hopefully collaborative relationship, you need to acknowledge that things have survived for a long time without your intervention and they don't need you, but you could actually provide some sort of service, some sort of benefit that could actually help.
0: The Untold Stories team, true to their mission, is careful not to present the workshop as a single solution or even a set of solutions. The team wants to counter the assumption within the profession that all you need to do is go to one workshop
1: and then you're all done. You know, unfortunately, this doesn't change the working practices. It doesn't change the mindset. It doesn't change the way an organization functions. And what happens is then marginalized people are called upon again and again to kind of keep performing this vulnerability and this discomfort for themselves in order to educate people who are unwilling to do the work, the consistent like every single day for the rest of their lives work that will be required to make transformative change possible. Part of what in the 2019 conversation we we felt very strongly we had to say is, if, if you really believe in equality, if you really want to do something that is truly collaborative, that does not assume some sort of hierarchy, it means being really uncomfortable the entire time. And maybe at the end of it, things will change, but you still have to kind of follow through on it when it gets really uncomfortable. And the fact is, most marginalized communities, people have done this their entire lives. So it it just feels like it's time for, you know, I think in general, the museum community to say we're willing to engage in these kinds of difficult, ongoing, perpetual conversations.
0: It's Really interesting to approach these issues from the framework of such a technical profession. What is different? What has changed in the field of conservation since you were in school?
1: I I was in graduate school two decades ago. So it's, you know, I guess I would break it down into technical practices, which I think most conservators would, would think of themselves as doing sort of things with their hands, changing a surface in some way. And then more social practices, or how do you how do you be in this world? Uh, in terms of technical practices, I mean, some of the things that we do on a regular basis or certainly did, to me raise a lot of questions about how do we even come up with this? So you know, one of the things that I was trained on, and I think a lot of conservators still do, is something like spit cleaning for a long time it was known that something like human saliva has really amazing cleaning properties and you know it's the reason why your mom might have like licked her thumb and you know rubbed a mark off your face um but but it works really well and it's you know there have been attempts to make this much more scientific as to like what are the enzymes for example in saliva that work but you know now thinking about it my gosh You to spit on someone else's things. It's a really strange concept. And yet it was something that was really suggested as a very efficacious way of doing a treatment. For me, this has meant that I really have to be extremely aware of the choices I'm making and at least be aware of the discomfort that they raise in me when I start thinking about what I'm actually doing. And then there's how how does one work with anybody else certainly in academia and i would say also in in museums they're very hierarchical spaces where you know in the museum the sort of curator often has had the privilege of storytelling and often when people who are not within the museum are consulted they're consulted either after most of the work has been done or that that information is kind of extracted from them and presented as part of this larger narrative rather than allowing people to simply say what they, they believe these objects are or how you know, the story needs to be presented.
0: For those in an established field like museum professionals or conservators, it's easy to go with the language and practice that exists before you arrive. Projects like Untold Stories challenge those assumptions and help create a new model.
1: For me, it's really about kind of activating cultural heritage in in very kind of living ways. You know, underlying all of this work with Untold Stories was to really think about what is possible uh, in terms of preserving cultural heritage. If you think of cultural heritage as being something that's preserved by, by people in conservation labs only, to me, that's really limiting. And it also is untrue because we have millennia of people caring for their things and their stories and passing this knowledge on through oral traditions and other kinds of traditions. So to somehow claim that we are the only ones capable of doing this kind of preservation work is fundamentally untrue. And so to me kind of bringing up this resilience but also just this joy of doing this incredible, connected human work was something that I wanted to be around.
0: The next Untold Stories event will be held during the American Institute of Conservation's annual conference in Salt Lake City from May 19th to May 23rd, 2020. The title of the event will be Preserving Cultural Landscapes. And if you can't physically attend, the event will be live streamed. You can learn more about the Untold Stories project and watch recordings of past events at untoldstories.live. This episode of Museum Archipelago is brought to you by a new museum podcast called Stories Here. The latest episode is an excellent two-part series about the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. It includes the story of a family secret being hidden from a daughter, revealed after talking at the site with a former incarcerated person. The ad copy did not ask me to say this, but I feel like anyone interested in Museum Archipelago will really enjoy Stories Here. In addition to the episodes about the Eastern State Penitentiary, I think my audience would really enjoy the episode about the International Coalition of Sites of Conscience. To listen, go to storieshere.com or type storieshere into your favorite podcast player. My thanks to Stories Here for supporting Museum Archipelago. Just in time for your holiday travel, our Archipelago at the Movies series continues with 2004's National Treasure. I'm steal the, Declaration of Independence. the most dramatic moments take place at museums across Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and New York City. Surrounded by guards and video monitors. But the movie and protagonist Nicolas Cage go far deeper on issues of public ownership, provenance, and museum tour groups than the action-packed plot suggests got the bloody map. I'm joined by friend of the show and IRL friend Rebecca Reebstein to discuss this wild ride of a movie. The Archipelago at the Movies deep dives into National Treasure and Night at the Museum are now available exclusively to Club Archipelago members. Not a member yet? Join now at patreon.com slash museum archipelago. This has been Museum Archipelago. You'll find a full transcript of this episode, as well as show notes and links, at museumarchipelago.com. If this is your first show, subscribe for free in your favorite podcast player. And if this isn't, leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.